0: Hello and welcome to Talking Property with CBRE, a podcast in which our team of experts, our clients and industry specialists share insights into the way we live, work and invest through the lens of commercial real estate. I'm Angelo Pavanello, Head of Advisory and Transaction Services Occupy in Victoria and South Australia, and I'm your host for today's episode. In this episode, we set out to answer the question, to stay or to go? The traditional workplace has seen significant change in the last year, leaving many tenants reviewing their workspace needs and many landlords reviewing their offerings. Over the next little bit, we'll break down what to consider when reviewing individual workplace non-negotiables, requirements and objectives. Throughout the discussion, we'll unpack what it means to assess your individual requirements and quickly discover that there is no right answer. We aim to arm you with all the tools you need to make informed and sound decisions for your business. Joining me today is Jess Riper, Associate Director with our Project Management Team here at CVRE. Jess brings with her extensive experience in delivering complex and large-scale office projects, as well as a unique perspective on what's required to deliver a workplace project. Welcome, Jess. Thanks for joining me.
1: It's great to be here. Thanks for having me.
0: As you know, in the last 12 months, there's been a lot of conversation around the future of work, the need for offices and traditional workspaces. We've seen many organizations, both large and small, reassess their workplace needs. Some moving to a more flexible model or subleasing unused space and others in the office full time or in the lookout for new accommodation. So Jess, to start us off today, I thought we should take it back to the beginning The assessment phase, having worked on many workplace relocation refurbishment projects before, I'd love to get your opinion on what you believe informs the assessment stage of a project life cycle. What are the main drivers for companies reviewing their accommodation requirements and determining if their current facilities can support this?
1: Thanks, Angelo. Well, the purpose of the office is largely being reconsidered as a result of the COVID-19 pandemic and our extended period of working from home. What we're seeing across the board is a stronger emphasis on coming to the office for collaboration and connection rather than just the focus, concentrated work. And so the office really needs to be a destination of choice. It needs to be a reason for employees to leave home and come to the office. In considering accommodation options and whether staying put is right for your business, it's important to consider what the building is providing for its tenants. So, for example, existing buildings may need to be upgraded. Building design and architecture has advanced significantly over the years with new technologies, greater sustainability targets and a greater focus on human health and wellbeing in general. And of course, building design is continuing to change, particularly right now as building design responds to COVID. So as an example, we're seeing more touchless technology being introduced. But in existing buildings, we often see that services upgrades are required. So such as energy efficient lighting, old offices may still have fluorescent lighting and we need to upgrade those to LEDs, mechanical upgrades to air conditioning. We're seeing a requirement for higher densities and higher level of fresh air. And similarly, amenities providing for higher densities, as well as ensuring bathrooms are designed with consideration to diversity and inclusion. We also see an improved mobile coverage and communications need to meet the latest design standards. And also, in terms of security, our clients are wanting to have more integration into the base building security systems and a more seamless system as well, so no cards and easy interface with mobile technology. Similarly, for building management systems, clients are wanting more visibility and control and integration into that system. And we often have a request for occupancy sensors to be installed into fit allowing businesses to record and use data for developing efficiencies within the business.
0: Yeah, this is uh, certainly becoming more and more important with many companies introducing flexible work arrangements and a hybrid Of working whereby you're going to get a lot more people in the office on those Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursdays so that's where Jess has touched on the higher densities on those days whereas the uh, start and the end of the week not as dense. So um, capturing all that uh, information with those data points will uh, best support the need to justify more or less space.
1: Absolutely. So the other big consideration is around the user experience and how this can be enhanced through architectural upgrades and introduction of precincts. So it's not just about the building or the office. It's about what's around that building and providing more than just an office for tenants. So, again, coming back to that point, it needs to be a destination of choice, and that might be in the form of sports facilities, business lounges, spaces which home can't offer, so your wellness facilities end of trip, we're seeing them have more hospitality experiences and a variety of food and beverage offerings. People want to come into the office but still get done their day-to-day bits and pieces. So, it's what, what is around the office that they can get done that they can't do at home. So, we work with our clients and the consultant team to identify these business needs so that we can determine what physical requirements that the building requires and to assess whether the existing building or new building can provide for the future, as well as whether the landlord will commit to delivering those upgrades. So we assist the tenant representative, like yourself, Angelo, in negotiating the required base building upgrade works and programming them with the landlord.
0: Yeah, great summary, Jess. And with those items, our job is to create the superbly worded lease clauses that address each of those matters ensuring responsibility is clear on who does what and when to avoid any misunderstanding or future conflict. So we can best understand potential restrictions of an existing space. What are your options if a tenant is happy with the location but might require more from the base building and current office to align with the ongoing operational needs?
1: Sure. Well, there are some restrictions or considerations that a client needs to be aware of when considering whether to stay put and undertake a fit out refurbishment. The main three being design, program, and business continuity. So, from a design perspective, the fit out design can be restricted to the existing constraints of the building. So, an example of that might be large furniture and joinery, tables, workstations, etc. They all need to be able to fit into the existing goods lift. Similarly, introducing new voids and stairs, they're subject to the structural capacity of the building and what can we actually put into that building and what can we fit into the goods lift if we're bringing in steel for staircases. Of course, our design consultants will always push the boundaries and provide innovative solutions to address those constraints, but it is something that needs to be considered for a refurbishment and from a program perspective, we often find churn programs are often longer and that's due to the requirement to stage the construction works. So often noisy works are needing to be undertaken out of hours or disruptive works out of business hours. And there's, there can be a loss of efficiency in the trades needing to work four by four so that we see that extend the program out a bit. We also need to factor in construction works time to relocate and then being able to continue with construction on those relocated floors and as a result of this longer program we often see construction costs to be a a bit higher and that's due to those after hours works the extended site supervision to cover those extra weeks or months whatever it may be on the program as a result of the longer program construction costs are often higher due to those after hours works and the extended site supervision whether it's weeks or months in the program, uh, so CBRE aimed to minimise stages of construction to limit the impact to staff and minimise those relocations.
0: And actually, I've got an example having worked with a government department in this very um, sort of predicament, whereby they loved their existing building, however, there were no vacant floors in the building that the landlord could offer for churn, so they had to go and consider doing a floor-by-floor refurb and churning around that within their existing floors, which doubled the program. So that really deterred them and it resulted in them relocating to a um, competing building altogether, whereby all the staff got to benefit from a new workspace from the moment they moved in over a three-week period rather than if they tried to churn in their existing building The first uh, group of staff would have benefited and then the last group 12 months later, which um, would have caused a bit of conflict internally. So on that point, Jess, how important is the program schedule to the success of a project and what are some of the impacts a strong program have on the business?
1: The delivery program is really critical as it has a direct impact on the business continuity and, of course, the bottom line. So our aim is to always minimise disruption to the business and its employees and running a tight program is a really important part of this. And similar to your example with your government client, Angelo, we recently assessed an option for a churn program and we determined that staging the program to hand over two floors at a time instead of one would save three months overall. So plus the added benefit of minimising disruption to the client, it also meant for a reduced cost in construction. So, making these assessments early not only impacts on the overall delivery time of a project, but also the business continuity. And business continuity isn't just about minimising the relocations, it's about also ensuring that the key functional areas remain operational. So, things like our main communications room and having access to staff breakouts and amenities is really important, making sure that they're available on the floors that are still in occupation and if they are the floors that are being constructed, that we've got temporary solutions in place. And, of course, business continuity is about ensuring that quiet enjoyment during those works, so minimising the noise, the dust and the traffic management to limit the impact on the people still occupying the building. And these constraints can all be managed through good programming and design for a successful project delivery Uh, However, as I said, working through these at an early stage when you have the ability to negotiate with the landlord is key. And no doubt you've had many conversations with both tenants and landlords on this topic, Angelo.
0: Yes, yeah, definitely. And, you know, once a tenant has decided to renew and reward the landlord with a new long-term lease, it's pretty rare that these items don't get addressed and um, they continue their prior long-standing relationship or partnership into the future. So um, they're all uh, items that um, everyone can work around to ensure um, life continues as usual. For sure, from a contract point of view, it's really important to be clear upfront on what is the responsibility of the landlord versus the responsibility of the tenant. Some commercial clauses we'll suggest or include in our negotiations would be defining the hours of works whilst the tenant's business operations continue. No rent or outgoings to be paid on the floors or the areas which are being refitted or refurbished. Uh, tenant preferred contractors rather than being forced to use landlord-approved contractors. With uh, your preferred uh, crew, no doubt there's some long standing relationships and better trade rates um, and reliability with those groups that you'd like to use access to utilities water light and power for example during fit out works and understanding who's responsible for paying those utility rates that particularly comes in play when it's for a new development as utilities need to be connected to the base building prior to the fit out construction commencing and ensuring separate meters are installed sub meters or defining clear delineation of when the base building accounts need to be switched over to the tenant's responsibility so there's no gap. And finally, the churn space option. So what uh, alternate space does the landlord control within the building or perhaps it's a a larger landlord that's got a portfolio of uh, options in that city that can be offered. That way you can get access to more of your existing floors to be refitted and reducing that program and the costs like what Jess touched on earlier. So, my last question for you, Jess, is if the location in the building you currently operate from doesn't meet the future working requirements, what options are available to you?
1: Yeah, again, it comes back to the future way of working that suits the business. For example, we've had some clients consider whether satellite offices are more appropriate for the future of the business rather than one large head office. We've also had some clients realise through working from home for so long that business lines which previously were heavily dependent on the office infrastructure can actually operate more flexibly from home or elsewhere with the right technology and support. So an example of this might be a call centre that was heavily reliant on the technology and the infrastructure that was in the office, but they've found alternative solutions with headsets, et cetera, and people can actually do those types of jobs from home. So the business needs may therefore mean that different types of accommodation options need to be considered or different space requirements. Some options that a relocating tenant may consider could be fitted spaces to save on capital expenses, co-working space, new purpose-built office, whether in a new building or another existing building. So from a program and business continuity perspective, It can often be easier to manage program when moving from one building to the other. You don't have those challenges with uh, business continuity and the relocation, the churn that you do in an existing building, as construction is often able to be delivered and handed over in one stage. There's also a minimal impact to business continuity as relocation and the cutover process can occur over a, a shorter period or an easier period with the one relocation. Of course, there are many different types of projects and programs and it really does depend on what site you're moving to whether it's a new or existing building as to how easy it is to manage those stages in construction but as I said when it's a moving from one building to the next it can often be a lot easier. Just on the point that you made earlier about the utilities and making sure that the contractual details are really outlined to delineate the responsibility. I have actually had an issue on a project before where we've had a client that was relocating to a new building and it was an integrated fit-out and they got their fit-out contractor on site and we didn't have any power to commence our construction because base building had cut off the power to the floors as they transitioned over to handing to the tenant and it meant that our fit-out contractor had to really quickly try and get uh, meters installed and power on floor to start the construction. So dealing with those things early in that leasing negotiation phase really does help and minimise those types of issues that can occur. So that was a really good point. In terms of the new accommodation leases, I think it's also really important to touch on Ensuring that expansion and contraction options are available to future-proof for business change. No, this isn't a new concept, but I'm sure Angela, you're having many conversations right now around expansion and contraction, given the COVID-19 pandemic and the different needs of businesses and and what kind of space. They require so many businesses in the last year have have boomed, you know, your online retailers are just needing a lot more space because they're in high demand, but then there are the other businesses that have realised that that flexible working is actually working for their business and they don't need as much space. So considering that from a design perspective is really important. So if you do have expansion and contraction options in your lease, it's really important for our designers to take that into consideration and locate business infrastructure such as, again, the the main communications room and those key critical business elements in the core lease floors so that if you were to expand or contract, we don't need to relocate those elements, which can be costly or create abortive works. And another example of that would be stair voids. If your business is looking likely that contraction will happen understanding what the requirements are for filling in those voids or avoiding putting voids in those contraction floors. We know that make good costs for removing stairs and filling in voids can be quite costly. So that's probably it on the design and program perspective, but sometimes the driver to relocate is also a cultural decision. We often hear that the best way to create a cultural change in a business is to shift the physical environment. So that comes into play uh, for our clients as well. So, the decision to stay or relocate can be a challenging decision for a client as it has many considerations financial, physical, business needs, future planning, cultural, etc. And it's our goal to simplify this process with our clients and achieve the best outcome for the tenant and the landlord to support a successful long term relationship.
0: Fantastic. Thanks for your contribution today, Jess. And thanks to you all for listening to Talking Property with CBRE. If you enjoyed the show and want to check out more, visit cbre.com.au forward slash talking hyphen property or subscribe through Spotify and Apple podcasts. You'll find episodes on placemaking, real estate market outlooks, disruption in the industry, creating resilient assets and many more. Until next time. Thanks.